And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. And also, today, a special guest is Ian Keir. Hello. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to have you all here. Ian, I think this is the first time we've had the pleasure of having you on A Plain Answer, so it's it's great of you to come up here to the studio. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and um, um, just for our audience's sake, uh, Ian is the son of Morgan, who passed away. Uh, Morgan used to be a host here at Redeemer Broadcasting, and we're still using some of his uh, fine material uh, various times during the program week. So, uh, Ian, uh, you're marching in a great tradition, so thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, Today we have an interesting discussion on the table. Um, I was in church Sunday and happened to talk with one of the members in church, and I said, uh, what should we do a plain answer on? And he blurted something out that was kind of surprising, nothing I really had thought about. He said, anarchy. Okay, anarchy. Why do we want to talk? Why on earth should we talk about anarchy? So I said, yeah, you know, maybe. And, and of course, it would kind of tie to a, a follow-on discussion of, of revolution and that sort of thing. But it got me thinking, um, what is meant by anarchy? And I realized I don't even know what is meant by anarchy. And so I started uh, Googling it and looking it up on the Internet. Probably different people will have different explanations. And uh, uh, one that I came across was was this notion of anarchy, um, where these folks feel that all forms of some formal authority are undesirable or unnecessary. Um, they will extend it to bosses, government, management, state-controlled police and military. Um, and so an anarchist would feel that we can get along without these structures just fine. So that was that was one piece of information I garnered from the Internet. There's a number of groups around, as it turns out, that are into anarchy and, and promote anarchy. Some of them are, you know, very calm uh, professor types uh, in academia. The, um, the, the common thread, as I was able to discern it, was they didn't really like <clears throat> any form of hierarchical authority, whether it be state, church, or some perceived economic elite. Um, and so I thought, yeah, why don't we talk about anarchy today <laughs> and see where this discussion goes. Yeah. Does this mean, Dan, that we can say anything we want today and it d- doesn't matter? <laughs> well, if you're a real anarchist, maybe that's the case. <laughs> So this should be an interesting discussion. Um, and and the reason I invited you, Ian, is because um, – and maybe you want to share with our listeners uh, your background really quick. But you uh, you just came through uh, your four-year program, and you're a fresh college graduate. Yes, I am. Uh, just graduated from Gordon College with a bachelor's in history. So yeah, I've seen a little bit of some of the student side of the anarchy debate and questions regarding it. Oh, have you really? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, who would like to get us started today um, talking about um, this interesting subject? I, I'm sure we'll go down a few rabbit trails here or there. You know, of course, anarchy, as he points out, means no ruler. No and leader, yeah. No leader. I, I can do uh, pretty much what I want. I think we, we had a kind of a, a setup there that, you know, when the children of Israel didn't quite live, 
like they were supposed to underneath the judges. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you see it repeated in Judges, everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that got them into trouble because they they failed to recognize the leadership of God over them as well. And that uh, that caused a great deal of problems, and it caused them to be enslaved by a number of the people around them. Mm-hmm. Anarchy, uh, of course... Uh, uh, in most people's minds, uh, could almost apply to any kind of revolution in history, too, as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not yes. and in the strictest sense, I suppose, the way, Dan, you presented it, uh, let's say the American Revolution would not be anarchy. Uh, it, it had the idea of authority to be replaced, one authority to be replaced by another. Hmm. But I, I suppose that it covers that for our discussion anyway. We, mm-hmm. we should talk, I think, about uh, revolution as well in addition to anarchy, but anarchy is, is opposed to authority. And in a real sense, it's nihilistic, mm-hmm. meaning that it is destructive of, of authority and morals. Uh, uh, most people throughout history, just simply based on reason, have thought that to be a very dangerous approach to living mm-hmm. life. Have you seen some of the um, Occupy situation, Ian, and, and what have you seen with, with that? I guess more of people questioning legitimacy of authority, you know, what just that, what authority is legitimate would mm-hmm. be my observation that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I would actually be opposed to some of, on that list, Dan, that you read. Uh, I'm terribly troubled uh, by certain kinds of elites uh, lording it over um, the populace in the modern world. Uh, I think uh, when, in fact, they are what I would not call elites elected to office, but elites behind the scene mm-hmm. uh, who have uh, a certain kind of control that shapes modern society. Uh, that is a problem, too. That, well, that is. It is. You've got the old, if you want the polar opposite, you've got divine right of kings. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the divine right of kings, it's like, uh, God gave me this right. Basically, I'm going to do whatever I want because God gave me that right rather than looking at uh, the kingship as a servant position mm-hmm. rather than than an authoritative position. And I think you do. You see that in governments that uh, are maybe elected, but as you say, you have various uh, committees, commissions. Which unelected. Are unelected. Unelected officials making all kinds of rules and, and yeah, making all kinds point. of pronouncements. Yep. That uh, you know the the people never got a chance to approve or disapprove without the consent of the governed. Yeah. So there's some commonality as us as Christian men, um, as we look at the concerns of the anarchist. Um, if we take a very narrow slice of the pie, we too are concerned when government overreaches right. or imposes on us um, a standard that, let's say, is not God's standard. Um, or, you know, gets into our life too much. And so, in a way, our society is vulnerable to accepting the premises of anarchism because um, some of these issues are near and dear to our hearts, but I'd be quick to say that that's really not the solution. Um, I would even say that what happens with the anarchists, they may oppose something, but they become the useful idiots Of the the tyrants who take over. Because very (laughs) often what you find is the tyrants kind of line up with the anarchists and see them. And we'll probably look at this a little bit further down the line Mm -hmm. here and look at some of the history of some of these things 
and the tyrants get a hold of a lot of the anarchists and kind of bring them and let the chaos that they have created be the um, the the basis of their moving in and taking over mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. imposing their tyranny. I was doing some studying online, and I went to um, a website that I wouldn't ordinarily go to. It was a libertarian communism website. Uh, now, mind you, I'm not a communist, but... Um, they were describing anarchists, and it's interesting to hear how they defined it. They said, the anarchist is primarily a socialist whose aim is to abolish the exploitation of man by man. And of course, in that very narrow point, we don't want to see mankind exploiting each other either. But they go on. Anarchism is only one of the streams of socialist thought that stream whose main components are concern for liberty and haste to abolish the state. And so maybe on the other side of the break, we could talk a little bit about the notion of the state, quote-unquote, and is it uh, legitimate from God's perspective, since that's what really counts, and uh, maybe we could talk a little bit more about the Revolutionary War. Today you're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, Dr. John Vance, and Ian Keir. And uh, today our discussion is kind of interesting. It's about anarchy. And uh, gentlemen... Let's now take a look at what the Scripture would teach us uh, regarding government and authority, hierarchy, and that sort of thing. Perhaps some of the things that would bother and offend the anarchist. Of course, the passage that comes to mind quickly is Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and if you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. 
for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we must be subject not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. I can stop there because the rest of it goes into paying taxes and things, and we don't want to talk about that right now, do we? We'll be here all day if we get talking about taxes. What what is interesting to me is that the word servant is used for the state. That's right. And uh, Paul was writing at a time when the Roman government was not an ideal government, to say the least. Mm -hmm. It it may not have been ideal, but I think at the time of Romans was early Nero. I think if yes, you, it wasn't quite in, in, into the insanity that yeah, broke it out wasn't later. In, in the megalomania, <laughs> but, Nero but era. Remember, this is the same government that put to death our Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. That's and right. there are many other yeah. uh, evidences of great brutality. Pilate, for instance, was a very brutal and bloody yeah. man, and uh, many of these Roman governors were. They did not rule. The Pax Romana was imposed, and um, uh, it was maintained by some. Uh, uh, extraordinary efforts and, and violence. So it wasn't the consent of the governed, let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting, though, when you, you see Paul writing to Timothy, which is probably megalomania Nero, he talks about, uh, let's pray for the rulers that we might live peaceable <laughs> lives. <laughs> but he never really ever uh, advocates uh, an overthrow no. of that authority. Mm-hmm. No, That's the important thing. Now, um, Help me understand a little bit more about our own history here in America. Um, we had something called the Revolutionary War, and um, what really prompted that war? What were the issues? Well, I, I, I would say what prompted it, uh, I'm, I'm going to, to uh, maybe appear to take a tangent here, but I think what prompted it as much as anything was that the English in this country began to realize that uh, – they were actually separate from England. Someone has said that a, a revolution took place in the hearts of the American people at the Great Awakening. They begin yes. to think mm-hmm. of themselves no longer as Englishmen, but as Americans. Mm-hmm. And there was a revolution, but it did not take place by the people rebelling against authority. It was the lower magistrates or political officials uh, who organized and petitioned the government of England, which would not hear their petition and so, therefore, they did lead a revolution against England. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was um, in, in – there's a famous passage in John Calvin's uh, Institutes, which many of the Puritan uh, and others called upon or remembered and employed that. Uh, Mark, I think you know a little bit about that passage of Scripture in Calvin. I don't know whether you know or In terms of the uh, magistrate, uh, he, under magistrates being able to resist the, the over magistrate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they've uh, stepped out of line. And you see that in the, in the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. You know, the inalienable rights uh, that are given by our Creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and so you see some of that. You also see, I think, part of it, you know, when you look at the American Revolution, how we kind of fell into it. There was a lot of resistance. You know, you had the Stamp Acts, you had the Boston Tea Party, and you had a lot of these things, and you had some of these things resisting, but the thing that really kicked it off was Lexington and Concord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, was, what were the British doing which kicked it off? Imposing taxes. Mm-hmm. They were, other things. No, they were taking the guns away. 
Oh, they did that too. Oh, yeah, oh, I, I knew yes. we would get to that. Yeah, they were, oh, they were coming to take the guns away. He's called Second Amendment. That's why we got it here. They were coming to take the guns away, and so oh, that's they, interesting. And, yeah, and yeah. so that's what they were doing, and and of course the the government uh, militia stood up against them, and that's hmm. that's what started the whole thing. And by uh, seventeen seventy six, everybody knew that that breach couldn't be healed anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it, you're right; it was a government led. It was the government. So let me get this straight: it wasn't just um, the average Joe in the street standing up and saying, "By golly, we're going to have a revolution." But there was a there was a lawful authority that was in place who represented the people to this higher authority, uh, appealing to the higher authority. Uh, reaching an impasse and therefore uh, having a declaration of independence and subsequent revolution. That's right. Ian, have you, have you had any courses in the American Revolution at Gordon? Yeah, I know you're a history major. Um, some. It's also interesting to note that really a lot of the ideas of the American Revolution actually had their start in the late 1680s um, mm. under governor of uh, New England by the name of Edmund Andros. And there were a lot of these same ideas being talked about, you know, this mm. idea of taxation without representation of, you know, an outside government trying to interfere with local affairs. But that revolution, which took place, um, well, bloodless revolution that took place right after um, William and Mary were set up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, glorious revolution. Yep, the yep. glorious revolution. What I guess distinguishes that from, you know, a movement of anarchy is that it was also led, as you said, by you know the lower magistrates. You know there were a number of prominent leaders and church officials who mm-hmm. you know, bore these requests. So England had even king. done this itself yeah. mm-hmm. in its own history. It's what took place in the American right. Revolution in one sense. So hmm. this had already occurred to been an mm-hmm. example or a pattern for the mm-hmm. American Revolutionary yep. uh, magistrates to follow. Now today we're talking about anarchy. One thing comes to my mind, and that is, um, can we contrast briefly the American Revolution? with the French Revolution? No question uh, that uh, historians have. And uh, what happened in the French Revolution, while it may have started, as uh, I think uh, Ian was talking about earlier before we came on the air, uh, while it may have started uh, in a way that resembled somewhat the American Revolution, it was Mm co-opted by the Mm -hmm. radicals and, um, uh, and others, and it turned into a very bloody mess. Uh, And in some ways, it instilled in the the French national life, a certain type of anarchist, atheistic uh, tendency that has not been a blessing uh, to the French nation or those Mm -hmm. who followed Mm -hmm. uh, the French in their revolution. You know, this may be an oversimplification, but uh, I think it it holds. The American Revolution was founded in the Reformation. The French Revolution was founded in the Enlightenment. That's true. Makes a difference. Good observation. Uh, That is an important matter. In the Bible, actually, hierarchy is necessary. It's found in the home. You can't raise children unless you have those who have superior gifts and talents and experience, Mm -hmm. the parents, Mm -hmm. training up the young. Uh, We have authority in the church. Uh, We just installed elders. And uh, I'm reminded of the verse which says that you are to submit to those who have the rule over you in the Lord, even in the church. Uh, we expect those who are most experienced and best to be our leaders mm-hmm. and uh, and to guide and direct the church. And we expect the same thing in the state. Otherwise, we will have chaos. And one thing that I think we can all agree on here, at least in this room, is that 
in many respects, a bad government is better than no government. And, mm-hmm. and, and to demonstrate mm-hmm. that, just go look at some of the tribal regions of the world. Yeah. Look at the murder rate. Look at the revenge. And look at the conditions under which people live. There is, civilization is not even possible. You actually need hierarchy and authority to have civilization. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that um, with anarchy, um, one of the things that's often overlooked is that of the human condition uh, of being born in sin and being a slave to sin, which can only be broken by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and um, the filling of his Holy Spirit in a person's life. And when that life is lived in conformity with with a love for Christ and his law, um, then it makes for a good citizen. And um, the anarchist seems to me... um, gives too much credit to the individual as being uh, honest and noble and all of this, when in fact we see just the opposite. In, in, in history, we see, as well as declared in the Bible, of course, we see the examples of um, Nazi Germany and the, and the Holocaust, or we see Stalin and the murder of millions of people. Of course, the anarchists could say, well, you know, that, that's why we oppose totalitarianism, but it's more than that. You're seeing in totalitarianism and its excesses a playing out of the human condition and the sin of the heart. Yeah, I think, I think there's a relationship uh, here uh, that, that is very important. Some of these dictatorial movements are utopian movements, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. and they do gloss over the sinfulness of human beings, and they have an, uh, an ideal sense of justice without a practical sense. I, I think the philosopher Aristotle said, that you cannot expect too much perfection in human beings, and all utopians are looking for a perfect society, and invariably they do more damage and destruction to human living than any other type of movement, in my opinion. I'm, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. scared to death of utopianism. Absolutely. Me too. And, and, and one of the things you do understand is the sinfulness of people, as you were pointing out, Dan. I think that's, that's great. Because of the sinfulness of people, we can't have anarchy. Because of the sinfulness of people, we can't have totalitarianism either. Yes. Because a totalitarian and utopian, what are they going to do? Eventually they're going to, to see this people, this people, and this people are obstacles to our utopia. Mm-hmm. What do we do with those right. people? Yeah. We put them in gulags or we kill them. Mm-hmm. And, and we see it every time. Yeah, Maybe you have a favorite uh, country on earth that is is the worst in society. I would be curious to know. I have one in mind. <laughs> yeah. I bet I know which I one you have in mind. I, I bet you you don't. North yeah. Korea. Yes, you do. <laughs> North Korea. <laughs> it's North, Korea, North entirely Korea is the most persecuting country in the world today. It's entirely dictatorial. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Entirely. Yes. And uh, all you have to do is look at China under Mao. Mm-hmm. How many killed? 20 million? Oh, wow. 50 million in, Maybe. In, in the Cultural Revolution. Yeah. 50 wow. million. Stalin and, and Lenin, how many killed? 35 under Stalin yeah. and, and mm-hmm. wiped out his own countrymen in yeah. Ukraine. Imagine and that. even you go to the French Revolution, mm-hmm. how many did they kill? You know, you, that liberty, equality, fraternity soon became <laughs> guillotine, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and there was, what, 40,000, I think, there. Yeah. I mean, they, they were pikers compared to the... To the communists. You know what um, comes to my mind also? Uh, earlier, Mark, you shared from um, Romans chapter 13, mm-hmm. and we were, we were handling that as a, as a description, but I, I think 
also would readily admit that it's a prescription mm-hmm. for good government. And uh, in the examples we were just giving of these totalitarian governments and a misuse of their power, um, read this now. Think about that in light of what God says. Um, for he is God's minister to you for good. Uh, what does that mean? That means that, dear friend, if you're listening and you happen to be in government, uh, you have a responsibility to God to, to do what's right, what's morally right. Um, you know, you, people poo-poo today, uh, the, let's say, the Ten Commandments. But I tell you, if we could implement um, these Ten Commandments in our daily mm-hmm. lives, in our dealings with one another, and you as a civil magistrate could implement them, indeed, God could, could look at you and say, you are God's minister to the people for good. That's um, and, and, and this civil magistrate, um, if, um, if the people under him or her do evil, well, those people should be afraid, because a civil magistrate does not bear the sword in vain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, this is, I think, a very safe and balanced view of civil government. Yeah, the point I wanted to make there is, you know, that's why when our government was founded, John Adams stood up and said, this government won't work for any but a Christian nation. Yes, mm-hmm. it's true. And that's what we have to have in mind, that the government officials recognize that they are under God, they are God's servants, mm. and that they also are the servants of the people. And when you have that kind of attitude... You see the great things happening in yeah. government. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I just looked at the clock. I see we're out of time already. I'm just going to look to uh, John Vance for a quick wrap-up mm-hmm. thought uh, for our program today. I'm glad Mark uh, brought that up about uh, uh, our founders. They did envision a moral and religious people uh, because they understood that culture is more basic in one sense and will dictate the kind of authority that you have. I am thankful that we have a, a, a democratic republic Mm-hmm. and that we can still exercise enough freedom to to vote out, if mm. you will, the scoundrels. Yes. Yep. And to put the right people in. Maybe they won't be perfect. We don't expect perfection, no. as I alluded to earlier. But on the other hand, uh, I thank God that we have the political freedom in this country that we can still make changes. And also, the greatest weapon we have, I think, in our society is prayer. Mm-hmm. We are to pray for yeah. those in authority over us that they do right. And uh, that is something that I try to do every Sunday, even in the worship service, to remind the people that God has instituted authority, and we are to pray for that authority. Mm. Someone has said, you get the government you deserve. Well, I pray then that we might repent and get better government. That's right. That's right. This has been A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Thank you for tuning our way today. A reminder that this entire broadcast is up on our website. Check it out at RedeemerBroadcasting.com. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, Dr. John Vance, and Ian Keir. A reminder to please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.